this morning. Go to Numbers chapter 1 and verse 1. Numbers, right there in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, chapter 1. Let's look what the Lord has to say for us this morning. Numbers chapter 1, whatever you have, God's Word, an iPad, an iPhone, and a paper Bible. Let's look at the wonderful King JV Bible this morning. And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, and in the, uh, in the tabernacle of the congregation on the first day of the second month, in the second year after they were come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Take ye the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel after their families by the house of their fathers with the number of their names, every male by their poles. From twenty years old and upward, all that are able to go forth to war in Israel uh, thou and Aaron, thou shalt number them by their armies. And will and with you there shall be a man of every tribe, everyone headed of the house of his fathers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. And, Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, may we be available for your service. May we be people to say, yes, Lord, whenever you call us. Lord, do this in every, everyone's life this morning here. If anyone is here this morning and never truly received Jesus as personal Savior, here or online, watching us this morning, may today, Lord, they not just watch us for the sake of watching us, may they ponder the words of God this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. I pray. Amen. You may be seated. All right, this morning we're going to talking about are you available? You know what? Are you available? Are you available for the work of the Lord this morning? Did you come to a point in your life on which you said, Yes, Lord, so send me. Whenever you want to send me, Lord, I'm willing to go. No restrictions. No holdbacks. Lord, I am going to go whenever you want me to go. If you want me to go across the street, I'll go across the street. Lord, if you want me to go down the other side of the world, I'll go to the other side of the world. I think that's where God wants you when you say, Yes, Lord. No restrictions. Is that you? No restrictions, Lord. I leave everything if I have to, for your name's sake. You see, that's what we're going to deal this morning here. So, right here for the sake of introduction, the children of Israel uh, have been camped at the, at the foot of Mount Sinai right here for about 10 months. When they received news from Moses that it was time to pack up and time to move on. Actually, the first 10 chapters uh, that... Um, of Numbers, the children of Israel are still at, like I said, Mount Sinai here. And, uh, and, and, and it's there that God gives them instructions for their journey. So before they get on their, their pilgrimage, uh, uh, pilgrim, um, pilgrimage journey, God is going to tell them the things, there to, uh, or to, uh, the things that they were, you expect of them. So like a loving father, the Lord shows his love and care for his children before they get, uh, he got them on the journey. Why? Why? You see, Father always knows best. Actually, godly fathers always knows best. So many of his children, we were many of his children, we're still very immature in our own walk, and we need God's instructions. Let me put it this morning, this way. How we get God's instructions. Listen, you don't know what God says if you don't read his words. God gives his word for a purpose, not just for us to read. This is God's lattice of love for you and me. God's manual for you and me. You know, many times we try to put something together and the instructions are on the box. And we look at the picture the whole time. 
And we should like, um, why I have extra screws? Why this piece of is miss is is extra? Because we're not reading the manual. You know, like that's too complicated. No, put your mind into it. You know what I do every day? I work. I follow instructions. I don't build out of my own mind. I have to follow what it says. You know, same thing. God gives us His manual. For what? For life. It's here. It's God's word. Not just to read for read, but it's God's manual. So we, can, we know what life, how to face life each and every day. We know how to make decisions. So Father knows best. I think God's been, been around longer than us. So He knows better than us. Doesn't He? I believe so. You know, sometimes we say to young people, Hey kid, I've been in the world a lot longer than you. You know, they try to you know, tell you how, you know, to do things like that. Listen, I've been around a little longer than you. i got more experience. I can tell you these things because I already lived through it. God says, hey, before you were born, I was already God. You know, I know better than that. Don't try to outsmart me because you can't. So God knows best. Father knows best. If you're a child of God here this morning, you understand that God knows best. So, listen please. Every Christian, no matter how long he's been saved and how, how much he thinks he knows, he needs to constantly look at the manual for the instructions that, that he needs for his journey. Listen folks. Let me put it this way. If you get in your car, and the old days was a map, and you constantly look at the map. Some of us we used to go to AAA to get like, them to highlight the thing, you know, when we travel long distance. And we always concerned about, did I miss the exit? Did I miss the exit? <laughs> and sometimes we miss the exit. But no, today we have a GPS, don't we? And we, you know, everywhere we want to go, we trust that GPS. You know, GPS knows best. You know, sometimes you go, oh, the other day was funny. The other day was funny. The GPS did something to me. I, I cannot believe the GPS. I went, it went through a, Took me to a parking lot. I was like, where am I going? I'm going to parking lot. Put me back on the road. I was like, who was that for? What I mean, trust the GPS, right? But it's like, you have to do a long journey. Guess what happens? You're constantly looking at GPS. You know what? Because you want to make sure you're going the right direction. You know what? To the journey of life, we have the GPS. Right here. Why we don't constantly look at it? Lord, am I, am I go right? Is that the right direction I'm going? You see, so let's look at this subject. Are you available this morning from several points? Number one, be available to be numbered among the faithful. Look what it says, verse 1 and 2. Take ye the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel after their families by the, by the house of their fathers with the number of their names, every male by their poles. And the Lord commanded Moses, that's uh, uh, Numbers 119 now, commanded uh, uh, Moses to, to be, so he numbered them in the wilderness of Sinai. So God never demands something for us that, from us that, that, he, uh, that he had never communicated to us first. In cha- uh, um, in chapter 1, after the tabernacle was erected right here, there's a count uh, that is taking place, and the count is taking of all the, the robust man who is who are, uh, mature and who was able to go to battle. So the Bible describes uh, to us that they, uh, they were to count men from every tribe in Israel except for the Levites. Uh, why were the Levites? The reason the Levites were not included uh, on this count was because they were responsible for taking care of the tabernacle at all times. So in taking care of the tabernacle was not for sissies those days. Believe me, it was not. If you look to the book of Leviticus in the, in the, the book of Numbers, it was not an easy thing. But, but, hard work, uh, but hard-working men had to do that. The Levites were that people. Now, perhaps by now you have recognized that the church of the 
the Lord Jesus Christ is not uh, is not in the in the in the playground, but in the battlefield. You follow that? The church, a local church, is not in the playground in this world. It is in the is in the battlefield because what the church is is pressing against the very gates of hell. The gates of hell are not pressing against us. It's we that are pressing against the very gates of hell. You know, we are in enemy territory. We are citizens of heaven. And we are pressing against the gates of hell. You know what? So we're not in the playground. The church should never be a playground. It should be a place of battlefield. So we have to be available to what? To fight the good fight of faith. Otherwise, we're going to lose the battle. I mean, you're talking about the local church. I'm talking about God. God has already, already won the battle. Don't misunderstand me here. So you and I have to stand up and be available for the conflict. Listen, please. The Lord can use anybody in the war and in the battle who is and in this battle who is willing to stand up and be counted as worthy so let a don't use excuses you know if god points at you don't say lord i cannot do it lord i cannot go the children of israel were far from being perfect here in this passage for they were known for their much complaining if you read through, through, through the wilderness wonders of them and unthankfulness. But in this chapter, we don't see a complaint in their part. They were ready to leave the, that wilderness and move to the promised land. So they were themselves available without a complaint. So listen, please. The first ability needed for every Christian is availability. The Lord calls us, oh, Lord, I can't do this. Get, get somebody else. The Lord is calling you. You follow that? When the Lord calls Moses... Did Moses try to walk away from it? Yes. Who went to, the, to Egypt? Moses. Why? Because God says, you're the one. I have you. You are going. And say, Pastor, but God cannot use me at this time in my life. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. Are you available? A good, uh, let me put it this way. A, uh, a good soldier makes himself ready and available for service. They make themselves available without any complaint. Listen, please. This week, I have a young man that works with me. He is in the National Guard. He's an active member of the National Guard. He's worked a full-time job, and he's uh, 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 in full-time service in the National Guard. He sa- I said to him, what are you doing this weekend? I was going to invite him to church. And he said to me, he said, well, I have service this week. I said, what do you mean service? I'm active duty. I have to go to the National Guard we are to go train and practice and do all those things both Saturday and Sunday. And I'll be back to work on Monday. I said, wow. I said, well, look what he says. I'm a soldier. I'm an American soldier. i got to do my duty. And he said that with a smile on his face. And I said to him, thank you for defending our freedoms. I appreciate you. There you go. And he's today, that's where he is. So, a soldier of the cross, we are to be ready for duty when the Lord calls us. Listen, folks, we live in a society in which many people live on excuses. That's our society. And those excuses come from a variety of ways. Look at our world today. It's not my fault. It's his fault. I don't do this. It's all excuses. That's what's going on in our world. We Christians, we should never live on excuses. Never. We should not imitate the world. You follow that? We should never imitate the world. When we are going to stand like the child of Israel and say, count on me, Lord. I will go. I will fight. I will serve. I will do anything for my Savior because Jesus is my living hope. Yesterday we went on people's doors. We talked with people on the streets. You know what we did? We went to battle. That's what we did. 
You know what? What a great battle was that. The soldiers were at the battle. I believe some were praying for us. You know what? But that's what we do. We go to battle every day. We're available. So let me put it this way. Because Jesus Christ is our living hope. Why we go? We're ready because it's our living hope. Look what it says. This is a song that goes like this. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Sin has lost his grip on me. He has broken every chain. This salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Wow. How available are you to stand for the Lord's army? Look what it says in 2 Timothy. Go back to the New Testament. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's be honest here this morning. We're all busy people. We all work long hours and hard hours. And sometimes we come home and it's hard even to move. We want to go to our favorite rocking chair and just say, Oh, I am done for today. Okay? It's easy to say that. And we can think, because I deserve it, right? Folks, I must include myself in the same role. You know, sometimes, you know, like this is Wednesday night. I get up at 3.40 in the morning. I work 12 hours, and I come out of work and say, I got to go to church tonight. I got to preach tonight. Like, oh, your body goes, your flesh goes, I want to go home and sit in my recliner. You know, you know what? But a good soldier is in season and out of season serving what? Their king. Folks, I must include, like I said, myself on this. Let it be. Don't forfeit your responsibility. The Bible tells us that Moses numbered men from every tribe except for the Levites, which means that everyone was willing to do or to go. Everyone was willing to be in the Lord's army. Everyone who was responsible to do their part when they were called to be numbered. So listen, folks, this morning. That's the way we are uh, we, uh, we Christians are called to be. Jesus co- calls all of us out of our comfort zone to number us so we can be ready for war. You say, listen, I'm not at war. Yes, you are. What do you mean? I'm not at war. Yes, you are. Who's the enemy? Your own flesh. The world society. What well, so do you mean the world society? This, the system of this world is anti-God. No, no, no. Don't you know that Jesus' name is now welcome in many places in our world today? You say in Jesus' name they're ready to throw, out, throw you out the door. You know, so you see the world system is getting more and more anti-God. That's an enemy of the faith. You know what? And the devil. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, you don't. You should. Because he's real. And there's thousands of demons. Do you know what they're going around? Try to kill you and destroy you. You know what? We have those enemies. So we don't forfeit your responsibility. As you like it or not, you are a soldier of the cross. And you can be a defeated soldier or you can be a warrior for God. Okay? So don't forfeit your responsibility. Now, this war is against the forces of evil. This war is, is to win the lost. This war involves more than, than everyone in the church. Like a, a military battle, not everyone goes to the front lines. But everyone play a key in, in this part of the war. Listen, if you have an open war, a country have a war, not everyone goes to the front lines. What about those who are organizing things? Well, there's so many things that go around. Let me put it this way. Okay. So isn't the Christian church? Some organized, some encouraged, some clean, some pray, some go to the front lines. You follow that? But all serve with, we have to all serve with enthusiasm and responsibility for the same cause. And our cause is our great Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the way it is. So Saturday, we have a working day here at the church. You know, so, well, that's just a working day. No, that's 
That's war. We're going to show the world that our place should look good because we preach Christ here. You follow that? Oh, I can't be there uh, uh, physically, but I'm going to pray for those who go. You follow that? Let us see. Don't delay in your commitment. Look what it says in verse 54 of our text. And the children of Israel did according to all that the Lord commanded Moses, so did they. You see, they did not disobey. They did exactly what God told them to do. We all know that this generation all died in the wilderness because of their sin. Eventually, they did. But let me tell you, at this moment, at this point, they all obeyed what God said. You see, it's the same thing. For an example, my commitment to raise my children is not based on circumstances. Why? Because I refuse to be a fair-weather kind of parent. I know that I must be committed not only to be a good person, but to love God and to follow God and to teach my children God's precepts. I know my children are already grown and they're already married and they do their things, but you know what? It was a time, a season in life on which I had to teach them the things of God. Some of you might be in that time right now. But it's like, well, Pastor, but I'm already past that time. Now you be what? An example to them. Not like say, like, I'm done. No, no, no. Once a father, always a father. Once a mother, always a mother. Let's go to point number two. Be available to stand. Look what it says in Numbers 118. And they assembled all the congregation together on the first day of the second month. And they declared their uh, pedigrees after their families by the house of their fathers according to the number of the names from 20 years old and upward by their poles. So the children of Israel had much to stand for. They had their families, their neighbors, and friends to stand up to. But they also had a great God uh, to stand up to. In their journey to the promised land, they will be facing and dealing with all kinds of different issues. And in order to deal with, with them the right, in the right way, they needed to stand the right way. And the same thing for all of us too. Now, so how we stand? Listen, as Christians, we can stand the wrong way or we can stand the right way. You follow that? Okay. Let's say you are, we're going to play basketball all together. All of us together. And you play basketball here. Nobody plays basketball. Okay. All right. All right. I'm going to teach you. <laughs> Let's say we're playing basketball. I'm going to coach you how to play basketball. And you guys are like this. Look at me. Stand up. Right? Stand up. That's what the Lord wants us to We Christians, we can stand like this in a sign of defeat, or we can stand straight as a soldier of the cross. Okay? So, how we stand as Christians. Number one, letter A, stand by faith. 2 Corinthians 1.24 says, Now for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpless in your joy, for by faith ye stand. You know what? The children of Israel stood up and were ready to be numbered. That was a stand of faith because they were not men of war. Remember, they were shepherds. Remember, they came from captivity. What they used to do, they put bricks together. That's what they did for the longest time. And now they have to stand for God as soldiers of the cross. Let me tell you this. The same thing. We're not warriors. Some of us sit on desks all day. But God says to me and you, you got to stand by faith. You know what? If somebody put the name of God down, you have to stand up and say, well. I'll give you an example. There's a friend of mine that was working in a bank. And these two ladies, and he was, was one of the tellers in the bank. 
and the two ladies were there were trashing God, cursing, all kinds, two workers. And he moves his chin, looked at them, and said, can you please don't talk about my father that way? That is a stand. And a stand of faith, because now they can go and whatever it is. You could get him a job in jeopardy. But he said, I couldn't take it anymore. I just said, don't you talk about my father that way. You know, sometimes we have to be wise. Don't get me wrong. We have to be wise. And the Lord calls us to be wise. But sometimes in a kindness, and don't, we don't say it in a harsh way, but in kindness and love, we just say, that's my father. Stand by faith. We have to stand by faith. Listen, please, it's true that the events of tomorrow are uncertain because we don't face them yet. But one thing is sure, you will not stand alone. We, are, we have a great God who promised to always to be with us. And always and everywhere, even today, tomorrow, we can stand by faith in the battles of life. Let it be, we stand with our wavering. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promise us. Let me tell you this. Don't question God's word. Don't doubt God's word. Believe in His promises. Believe in His promises. Listen, God's word is true. And every man is a liar. You know what? God's word is true. Why am I going to waver? Why am I going to wonder? Why am I going to question God's word when He loves me? We stand without wavering. Those men stood there, ready to be numbered by Moses. You know what? They stood up by faith. You know what? And we can stand without wavering. You know what? The wind, you know, like, you know what? We stand firm. I'll tell you what. You can bring anybody here, try to, try to minimize what I believe. You're not going to convince me. I like what my son, my oldest son said one time to me. He said, Dad, you're amazing. I said, what do you mean I'm amazing? He said, you are hardcore with the gospel. I said, yes, praise the Lord. I said, you don't waver, so I won't. Until God takes me home. And then I am where I am by the grace of God. I believe God's word, and I'm not going to waver. Because I believe that's the truth, that's the word of God. See, man comes with all kinds of inventions, all kinds of things. You know what? God's word, the Bible says, uh, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word stands forever. So we stand without wavering. So don't waver. Don't, don't doubt God's promise. Don't waver. Don't, don't doubt that, you know, God's lying to you. No, God is truthful to you. Let me put it this way. A wavering soldier is a defeated soldier. A wavering soldier is an unreliable soldier. We can learn from the children of Israel that when we waver, we show our lack of faith in our God who promised that he, we will never fight any better alone. Number three, be available to fight. Look at verse 45 on Numbers 1. So we're all that were numbered to the, of the children of Israel by the house of their fathers from 20 years old and upward. All that were able to go forth to war in Israel. So the children of Israel more than likely heard stories about the land of Canaan that they were passed down to them by the elders of Israel, but none of them were ever been in the land. Remember, these people were born in the land of Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. They had no idea what the promised land was about. You know what? But they heard the stories. They heard, and they were looking at the promised land with great optimism. Let me tell you this. Did you ever been in heaven? Is heaven a good place? Why? Because you read about it. Because we hear what the Bible talks about heaven, and we're looking forward to heaven with optimism. 
don't we? Don't we look with optimism to heaven like, oh, that's a good, I want to be there. You know, I'm glad I'm going there. You know, optimism. These people look to Canaan with optimism because they were going to a land of freedom, a land of milk and honey. They knew, they heard the stories, but they never been there. Now, the conditions in the willows was not the best. They were, they were, they were not standing in a five-star hotel. They were living in tents. Okay, they were. They did not have uh, uh, the famous restaurant. They ate manna for meal, and for a long ten months they were they were at the foot of Mount Sinai. Would you say that these people are ready to move? Imagine if it were you, in the desert, right? Mount Sinai, right there, living in a tent, eating the same food for breakfast, for lunch, for supper. Tomorrow, what do we have for breakfast? Manna. What do we have for lunch? Manna. We have for supper? Manna. The next day, we have for breakfast? Manna. You know, every day the same thing. Well, how would you say? Oh, you know, can you eat pancakes every day? No, tell me about it. Can you eat pancakes every day? Well, I want something else. I mean, you know what? It, that's how we are. You know, they hate the same thing. You think these people are ready to move? Yes. You know what? They didn't have hot showers every day. Probably hot sun beating on them every day. Oh, I like that one. I wouldn't mind. Wouldn't mind. Nancy, I wouldn't mind the, the hot and sticky in the desert. <laughs> so, so their conditions are not the best. So, folks, so when Moses called for them, for every tribe to find men ready for war, they listened and obeyed the call without any complaining. They were ready to pick up and leave and move. Folks, they made themselves available to be used of the Lord. So listen, please. On their journey to the promised land, they were going to face enemies as well uh, as well in the promised land. So the nation of Israel needed to get men ready to stand and fight if necessary to defend themselves. They were not men of war, but they were willing to stand and fight. It was a fight of faith because they believed that the God, that the Lord would take care of them. So don't you know that we are in the battle every day? I mentioned that. We're in the battle every day. And God wants his soldiers, his children to stand up, defend our faith. You know what? We, we should not, we must not, we should never do, allow the, the, world, the world to come in and change our ways. Because you know what? We don't take a stand. We're allowing it. You follow that? When we don't take a stand, here comes the world, right in. And the world will take a stand for us. That's why many churches have changed. Because what you see inside the church is a picture of the world, not a picture of the way the house of God should be. You know what Jesus said? And I pounded those words many times. My father's house had to be a house of prayer. And we look at the Old Testament, the way those, the, the tabernacle was, the way those things, it was a place of holiness. Not a place of entertainment. You know, many popes become a comedy club. Our enemies are real and always ready to destroy and give up in, in, in any given time. So let me name our enemies. Like I mentioned this morning in Sunday school, the, the, uh, the first enemy that you have is the world, the world system on which we live in. We are citizens of heaven. This world is going to, to, uh, to is trying to mold us into its form. It's trying to make us think the way the world thinks. You know what? We must not. Your flesh, your old man, the old Jew, that wants to be pleased. And the third enemy is the devil himself. And his demons, he wants to come and kill you in the street. And even Jesus said, he's nothing but what? A liar. He comes to kill and to destroy. So, letter A, be on guard. 
As a soldier, you know what soldiers do? Actually, let me see. First Peter 1 Peter 1.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because you adversary the devil is a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Let me put it this. A, a, a soldier is one who is on guard, on, on full attention. He's awake because he knows the enemy can come at any time. Right? Why do we put alarms in our houses? Why we put cameras in our houses these days? Because we're afraid somebody's going to walk in our house. The thief is coming, right? You see what we do? We try to prepare ourselves so something happens we can see it. You know what? We have an adversary, the devil, which he comes to what? Kill and to destroy. And we sometimes we don't even think about it because, ah, no, be ready. Be ready because your adversary is ready to fight you. Letter, who's my letter? Be no, let, I didn't give you letter A. Be on guard. Letter B, be ready. Number three or number C, be proactive. First Timothy 6, 12 says, Fight the good fight of fear. Stay, uh, lay hold of your eternal life whereunto thou art also called and profess a good profession before many witnesses. You see, the children of Israel they just didn't just sit around and wait for the enemy to come and kill and destroy and to do something, but they did something about it. They stood up, allowed themselves to be numbered, and got themselves ready for the battle. Listen, please, we go, we go, uh, we must not sit around and be targets. We must be ready for the battle. The world can separate ourselves. The world can do much damage in the local church. The world can do that. The world can drag you out and make you one of them. I'm not talking about you. If you're a child of God, you're still a child of God. I'm talking about your living conditions. The world can just pull you in. And that's what the world tried to do. You see, be ready. Number four, be available to encourage. Luke says in verse 53 of our text, number chapter 1, But the Levites shall pitch around the, ta the tabernacle of testimony, that there, there be no wrath upon the congregation of the children of Israel, and the, and the Levites shall keep the charge of the tabernacle of testimony. So be available to encourage. One thing that we see in this chapter is how specific God describes the duty of each one of the tribes. The Lord was specific that there would be no way, no way, no any questions among their duties. They knew exactly what to do. So Moses was to number everyone from every tribe except of the Levites. They were commanded to take, uh, to take care of the tabernacle of God. These instructions were extremely important that everyone understood. Everyone here uh, uh, is to know the position that where God puts them. Everyone had a purpose and everyone had to encourage one another. So don't you know that the same thing happens in a local church? There are different tasks, different jobs, different, different needs. And we must have, the, have different people to do different things. Listen, I cannot do everything by myself. You agree with that? Why? That's why the Lord lays on your heart other people to do other things. You know what? And when, listen, the Lord doesn't put somebody in my heart just for the sake of putting somebody in my heart. No, if you're not available, how can I call you? You follow that? If you're not available, how can I call you? So the Lord puts in your heart those who are available for the work of the Lord. Local church have many, many needs. Listen, the church doesn't get clean by itself. It doesn't. The bathroom is not clean itself. The toilet goes all oh, to the sink. How oh, I'm going to clean myself. And the sink goes, how oh, I'm going to clean you. It doesn't happen that way. You know what? Somebody got to do that. 
the garbage got to be picked up. Sunday school got to be taught. The children need help. The, the, the nursery needs people. You know what? Everybody have different tasks. You know what? That's being part of being a soldier. You know why? Let me put it this way. There's a little infant there. Tomorrow will be somebody in the church serving the Lord. That's tomorrow's generation. You see, what about passing that baton of faith to somebody little, little like that? I heard a preacher that was a great preacher. He was a bus kid. A bus kid. Mom and dad never went to church. He took the bus every day, and he became a great preacher. Wonderful preacher. Still a preacher today in, in the state of Maryland. I'll tell you what. What a preacher. You want to listen to him. I'll tell you what. What he started? A little, somebody invested in the life of that little kid. You know what? We think sometimes I'm losing my time. I don't have enough time to do this, to do that. But I'll tell you what. If you're available, the Lord can use you in great, great ways. Great, great ways. The Lord uses those who are available and calls those who are available. Everyone had a purpose. Everyone had something to do. Don't you know that the same, like I said, happened in the local church? No one will accuse the other right here from doing nothing. Everybody was doing something. Listen, listen to me. From simple prayer, kindness, hospitality, to music and sound room, everything, every job is important because it is done for one common purpose. And by doing that, we encourage one another in the Lord. Let me tell you. I said that this morning, I talked with my wife about this not long ago. You know what? There was a time in America on which church was vital in the life of people. People went to church. Today, church is insignificant. Instead of them seeing a place and where they can go and grow and be, even to be good citizens, they find the church a place on what they curse and, and they criticize. That's the society we live in. Now, don't you think that by, by all those men standing, by the way, they did, they, they, they were an encouragement to one another. Even to imagine the elders of Israel, the old ladies, the, the old men, when they saw those men stood up and willing to fight. Don't you think it was an encouragement? Let me put it this way. We went out yesterday. Were you encouraged? I was encouraged. We went out. We went to battle. We prayed, and people stayed here, and some of them went out. You know what? We went to battle for the Lord. Well, I was encouraged. I was rejoicing. That's what we should do. So the Bible, the Bible tells us to edify one another. The word edify means to build up, to encourage each other. Letter A, encourage with kindness. Look what it says in Ephesians 4.32, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, had forgiven you. You know, don't ever think that someone is a, a, a bigger sinner than you are. We're all sinners. You follow that? Don't you ever come to that point to say, oh, you're a big sinner. Well, look at you before you look at the other person. You follow that? It's instead of looking at you, uh, the person, and say, you're such a big sinner. Well, well, look, put your finger this way and say, I'm as much as a sinner as you are. And let me tell you, we encourage with what? Kindness goes a long way. Even if you rebuke, rebuke with kindness. Ephesians says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Isn't that encourage, encouragement? Amen. Folks, rude, unkind words will never build anybody up. Actually, they, they, they do more damage to people than good. Our words be, can be sharp, sharp swords, and if we don't be careful, we can hurt people. 
Folks, if we, are, if we are going to build each other in the house of the Lord, we have to use kind words. Let it be encouraged with forgiveness. Again, like the Lord says, forgiving one another. Encouraged with forgiveness. The, child, uh, the, the children of Israel for, were forgiven by the Lord over and over again. But there was a man, uh, but there was a, uh, a man that goes, in the name of, of Moses, who they continue to attack and hurt and, and keep on going, and he continued to forgive them. Moses and Elaine even wanted to kill him at one time. You know what? You keep forgiving them. You know what we do? How many times? Okay, I put that back. Peter asked the Lord Jesus. It was a Peter. Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? I think Peter already had a pencil and paper. Okay, many times, Lord, seven times. And the Lord says seven times seven. And everybody runs to the pen and paper. Oh, look, seven times seven, what? Four hundred and what? Ninety? What Jesus is trying to say there is every time your brother offends you, you forgive. That's the Christian life. You know what? Every time we come to, know, to, to ask the Lord forgiveness, what the Lord does? He forgives. We forgive one another. Forgiveness encourages people. We are to forgive. Encourage with forgiveness. Let us see. Encourage with words of affirmation. We will never encourage one another with negative, pessimistic words. The way to encourage people is always with positive words. All right, you play, you played sports here. Okay, play sports. I play sports most of my life. Okay, I play sports. You know what? My coach never said, "Go there and play, you loser." He never said that. Sometimes we were losing bad. He goes, he goes, go, go get in the field, go, go play, you loser for five minutes. No, no. He goes, go get it, go get it. You can do it. And sometimes from the from the from the, uh, from the uh, uh, sidelines, you will go, get, get. What is he doing? He's encouraging. He's encouraging. Why? Because that's what we need in the world that we live in. Think about it. The devil, the world, our own flesh, the discouragements of life. And God says, let's encourage one another. That's the way to go to battle. Encourage. We look at each other. We say, hey, we're in the battle together here. You know what? We need to be part of the local church on which we can encourage each other. Words of affirmation. Let's be positive. Encourage each other with words of affirmation. Number five, be available to go. And the children of Israel did according to all that, that the Lord commanded Moses, so did they. So listen, please. It is not fair for, uh, fair for us to look at the end of the book and say, what the use? They did nothing but complain all the time. Yes, it's true. But it's true, but it is true that, uh, but, not, uh, but not at this moment, the children of Israel in this chapter 1 did not know what's going to happen in, in, the, in the future. You know what? At that moment in chapter 1, they believed, they obeyed, they stood firm. Same thing with us. We say, well, but I know the story. Look at what they did. All right. You know what's going to happen tomorrow to you? You have no idea. So what do we do today? We encourage one another so we can stay firm tomorrow. Because we are prone to complain too. Lord, I just got to work and I'm ready to go home. Why? Because these people are just not good people. Lord, why don't you just give me another job? Lord, and we kept going, going. You know what? It turns into complaining. You say, well, only the children of Israel complain. What about us? If it's snow, I want heat. If it's heat, I want snow. <laughs> I mean, it keeps going. You know what? We're in the highway. Why this whole this traffic? I need to get there. I can't believe this. Well, they go in one direction like you do. 
People behind you might be saying the same thing. Where is this guy going? You follow that? You see, we can be prone to complain just like the children of Israel. And we do it all the time. I don't like this meal. Thank you, Lord, for the food I'm about to receive. Please bless it. I don't like this meal. Have I done that? So be, be available to go right here. So it takes commitment to go. Letter A, it takes commitment. Listen, commitment is the key for everything that we do in life. Commitment. It takes commitment to go. Listen, if the God calls you to go to Africa, would you go? It's too hot. Too many lions there and tigers. I don't want to be dessert. Commitment says, Lord, I'm afraid. Lord, I don't know where I'm going, but Lord, I'm going. That's what missionaries do. It takes commitment. Let it be. It takes determination to go. The children of Israel know, have no idea. They heard stories about Canaan, but they have no idea what the land looked like. Actually, when they sent the ten spies there, they actually got all afraid because they thought just would be a piece of cake, just walk right in. It was battles to be fought. So we have battles to fight, too, in our Christian life. It takes determination. Listen, folks, it takes determination to live the Christian life. It does. It takes determination to die to self and do what the Lord says and not do what we want to do. It takes determination to do that. It's something that you determine in your heart. Let us see. It takes vision. The children of Israel did everything that Moses commanded them to do. Why? It was, it was because the vision that they, they had for themselves and and for, uh, to raise their families in a better place. Let me put it this way. My mom and dad came to America in 19, April 26, 1985. I was a kid. My sisters were even more younger than us. Why my parents came to America? You mean to tell you why? Somebody put a vision in their minds. America is a land of milk and honey. America is a, a land which you can, you can provide for your fa- family much better. America is a land of freedom. You're going you're gonna to enjoy America. So all these things caused my family to migrate. I believe if somebody took better about America, probably my mom and dad would never make it here. But see, it put a, same thing about us. You know, we have, we have a, it takes a vision to why am I serving the Lord? Why am I going to his house? Why do I pray? Why I live for him? It takes a vision. Why? I know what he did for me. I know what he can do for me, and I know what he's going to do for me. I'm going to heaven when I die. It takes vision. The children of Israel never been in a land of promise, but they had a vision. What was the vision? A vision that the land, it was a good land. A land that they were going to be free. They're not going to be slaves in Egypt. And let me put it this way. If you're a child of God here this morning, you're not a slave any longer. You are a child of the king. You see, the children, I conclude with this, the children of Israel were not perfect, like you and I are not perfect. Actually, they complain and rebel against the Lord quite a bit. They complain and murmur against the, the leader, Moses, but, but at, at all that, you know what? You know, although the, all the imperfections, they stood for the Lord that day. May we, this morning, make ourselves available for the work of the Lord. Let me ask you to put it this way. All the events that we create in our church is not for the sake of filling up the bulletin. It's so you can serve the Lord. You can, we can encourage you in the things of the Lord. 
That's the purpose. Otherwise, we don't have a bulletin. You follow that? We create those things so you can encourage you in your service for the Lord. That's the purpose of it. Otherwise, close the chapter, get away, you know, get rid of the bulletin because well, look who involves there, paper and ink. And ink is not cheap. <laughs> it's not cheap. As the secretary, you know, every time we get one of those cartridges, $120, I think. You know, they're not cheap. But he thought, why we put it there? Well, the purpose is to encourage each other in the Lord. That's why we put it there. So you can serve the Lord. You can say, oh, my church have this. My church have that. My church have that. As soldiers of the cross, I'm going to do it. We encourage each other in the ways of the Lord. Listen, we can do, and I close with this, we can do so many things for God together if we have the same mind, the same goal, the same commitment. You know, many things can be done. Imagine this way. I said, no, don't take me wrong because I understand some people can't for physical purpose. Others have to work. I understand that. But don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. Imagine yesterday if we had the whole church going out. How many homes we would reach? You follow that? I'm not trying to say you have to go. I'm not, not, don't, don't get me wrong here. Don't misunderstand me, please. Okay? And if you don't understand, come see me. Okay? I will talk to you. I'm trying to say all the things that we do for, together, we can encourage each other in the ways of the Lord. How many times, honestly, how many times you come to church discouraged, beat down? You only leave encouraged because, first of all, you've been with your brothers and sisters. You got encouraged? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord for your word that encourages us in the battles of life. And I pray for each person here this morning. May we encourage each other in the ways of the Lord. May we be kind and loving to one another. May we forgive each other, Lord. And Lord, we are not less sinners than anybody else. We are as bad as sinners as everybody else. And Lord, may we never judge others for the way they're going or the things they're doing. But we always encourage them with love in our hearts. Lord, for the things of God. I pray, Father, be with each person here. If in anyone here, Lord, never received Jesus as Savior or even online, may today they call upon you for salvation. May they understand there is a God that loves them, cares for them, and will forgive them if they ask forgiveness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you could stand, please.